Ukrainians are under attack, young and old, in hospitals and kindergartens, in their cars, or in their beds. No Ukrainian is safe in this unjust war. Their courage and resilience is the stuff of legend, but they should not have to fight this war alone. They need our help. This is Adrian Petro, and I invite you to join me at YVR Screen Scene for Ukraine, a gala evening in support of humanitarian efforts in Ukraine that will take place at VIF Center in Vancouver on March 30th. Experience Ukrainian food, a performance by Bandura musician Rutyani, and a special screening of Maidan, Belarusian filmmaker Sergei Loznitsya's powerful documentary about the revolution of dignity that took place in Kyiv in the winter of 2013 and 2014. I'm hosting, alongside my dear friend Sabrina Rani Furminger. Tickets are $25 and available at eventbrite.ca. All money raised from YVR Screen Scene for Ukraine ticket sales will be donated to the Ukraine Humanitarian Appeal, established by the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress and the Canada-Ukraine Foundation. The need is great. The onus is on us to help. We can make a difference. Slava Ukraini! Heroim Slava! This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and today I am delighted, I am delighted to welcome Carissa Barton to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Carissa is responsible for choreographing the greatest opening credit sequence of all time. That's not hyperbole. That is not an exaggeration. You would know this to be true if you watched Peacemaker on HBO Max. Its season finale enjoyed the biggest single-day performance for any HBO Max original series, and the show is, as a whole, perfection. From its casting, to its narrative arc, to its slamming 80s rock soundtrack, to, yes, its opening credit sequence, which I watched in full each and every time. I would never, ever hit that skip intro button and risk missing every character on the canvas performing their slamming robot-like dance moves, their expressions stoic and intense. And I know I wasn't alone in that. So today, we're going to get to know the dynamic artists behind those iconic slamming moves. What is her origin story? How has her peacemaker experience changed her as an artist and dare I say, as a human being. And does she really wanna, does she really wanna taste it? Carissa Barton, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you, what an intro. Thank you very much, I'm so happy to be here. Okay, I always invite my guests to respond to the thesis statement. Uh, so I'm inviting you to do the same. 
uh, besides giving me compliments about it. Uh, okay. You know, how does it feel to hear yourself described in those terms? And to hear words mm. like the greatest, because I'm not the first person to say that the opening credit dance sequence for Peacemaker is the greatest of all time. Yeah, that is, it's crazy to see that and to hear that. I, I, I think that in, uh, TV show intros have become their own art form mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. I guess Game of Thrones was one of the first series to like really create an intro that people invested in mm-hmm. and got some story takeaways from and I was late to Game of Thrones but you know learned learned a few years later but um then it became a real art form and and I personally had never seen dance in an intro you know, even theme songs like that's it was almost mm. like, I don't know, like it's it's been a while. It's been a while since since we have enjoyed, you know, both the visual and also the auditory, right. you know, of the the opening sequence. Right. We set out from the beginning with the intent to make it as good and as entertaining as possible, A. Mm-hmm. But knowing that most people skip intros, myself included, unless they're really super engaging. I'm I'm um, shocked. First big shocking revelation of the podcast. I generally, I want to get into the story. I want to, you know, if I'm if I'm watching a show, I'm investing my time and brain and uh, emotions and connections with the characters and all of this stuff that we enjoy when we watch good work on the screen. and I usually want to get into the story. Sometimes, sometimes I'll watch maybe the first couple of episodes, and I'll I'll watch the the, the credits just to see if there's anything that I missed. Or uh, sometimes the soundtrack, like Succession, the Succession soundtrack is just oh, so beautiful yeah. and um, so fitting for that series. It's just brilliant. Um, but even with Succession, a couple of episodes, maybe three or four episodes in the first season and I had it and, and then I just wanted to get into the story. Yeah. Um, so knowing that most people skip intros, myself included, um, we kept in mind that that's sort of a habit and that it's very tricky to circumvent that. Mm-hmm. But in our very first meeting, um, which was actually held at HQ, the headquarters, the Peacemaker headquarters, you know, that... that uh, the building is kind of grungy with the newspapers on the wall and oh wait where you, they would all you literally had your show meeting in the headquarters in there whoa that adds something right <laughs> our first meeting was in the headquarters and i actually and i can get into this a little more later i actually yeah. staged a lot of the dance and work worked in that space huh to create a lot of it so uh so we had our first meeting there and I started just like creatively getting a, a feel for I had read the scripts and I had a feel for the for the show as a whole. It was pretty clear you read any of you know James was being the only writer on the show. his voice is very, very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a sense of it, but there was something about being in the in the rooms in the space that gave me a different kind of level of connection with it and uh, anyway in in so I started thinking you know creatively and um, getting very excited about it and and one of the producers said you know we should keep in mind that this is this is an intro and a lot of people skip intros and um 
so oh I think because I think that was in response to I had I had said well we really need if each intro had slight each episode had slight variations within the Mm-hmm. The intro. That's something that we could creatively think about, and and I think the response to that was, yeah, well, people skip intros, and um, and and by the end of the conversation, we had agreed that you know what, if we do this right, and if we make it, if we put in the right energy and layers and fun and enjoyment and quirkiness, and make it interesting enough and engaging enough, and uh, connect with the musicality of it I think is a really important part of it then if we do this right then people won't want to skip the intro yeah they'll avoid skipping the intro and it was a you know that I mean that was an, that was a statement and it was something that like in an ideal world this is what we'll achieve yeah and so set that bar high but not necessarily expecting at that point just sort of letting go of that idea yeah um, and just setting out to do the work and to doing the best possible job with it and having the most fun with it um, and, you know, taking it very seriously, but also enjoying the process. And so to answer your question, in the end, to see the response and to see that a lot of people are saying that, I don't, this is the one show, I don't skip the intro, I don't skip the intro. To me, there's something about, I don't know, having said it out loud, having said it with, a lot of intention and a lot of energy and um, and then a willingness also to let go of mm. the final result in a, in a sense, not yeah. knowing I'm going to do the best possible job that I can. And that's all I can ultimately that I can do. Um, there was something about that, that that worked. And, you know, who knows if if, you know, in, in this particular case, it, it, it worked. I always hesitate to say, like, if I know that something has worked to say, well, that it'll always work, to approaching a thing yeah. in, in one way will always work in the future, because that's not necessarily the case, and often actually isn't. Yeah, you know, there's definitely really... an alchemy to what's, to what's there, going on. Yeah, there's an yeah. alchemy to it. Um, I love that it's dance as mm. well, you know? Like, I really feel like in, in, the, in the modern era, in mainstream, you know, blockbuster land in which, in which we live, dance doesn't always get a piece of the of the pie doesn't get the appreciation you know that that maybe other other art forms uh get and i just i just love that for a show like peacemaker uh that is about it's a it's a superhero anti-hero show that it's that show that is that has brought so much love and attention to dance you know yeah. i mean i go on tiktok or my daughter lets me go on tiktok i'm not actually allowed on. she doesn't <laughs> let me on tiktok i'm not cool enough for tiktok but like you know there are all sorts of the peacemaker dances and stuff uh-huh. right like it's dance is having its moment it's having its moment yeah yeah it's it's i feel that dance is generally underutilized um i think a lot of people don't quite know how to incorporate dance without mm without it seeming out of place um, or in, like obligatory or it, it just out of place. Yeah. And it's I think it's tough unless you're doing making a musical or a show or a film about dance to find a way to build in dance that feels organic. Yeah. And... So I think that's one of the reasons. I think that there are ways to do it um, and that the world of dance doesn't have to be separate, as we've illustrated. 
yeah. with, with Peacemaker. <laughs> um, they don't have to be separated. They don't have to live in separate worlds. They can be much, much more integrated. And, you know, Encanto is a film that just came out that really oh, uses dance. Yeah. Jamal Sims was the choreographer of Encanto. And uh, if there, you see any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, you see that there's, there's four or five pro-level dancers doing the movement and they you know filmed filmed the dancers and then based the animation off of like real dancers and that isn't always the case with animation sometimes yeah. they just pull whatever they can off of youtube or whatever they can find mm. and build it that way so there is something about uh the sort of expertise of of dance that's now seemingly being integrated into into the to the work more in television and film um so dance up until this point dance has been underutilized um and I don't think that it has to be. I think one of the things that Peacemaker, that the intro has done really well in the context of the, the show is, or what is what I think people are waking up to is that these actors aren't dancers. Some of them mm. are, they're not trained dancers. Some of them uh, are really good natural movers. And yeah. some of them, from what I could tell, had some some degree like my of friend dance Chris training. Heyerdahl, he looked like he knew what he was he doing. He good was so great. <laughs> he was so great. He nailed one of the trickiest phrases in the whole thing. Yeah. And I, so I think that there's something about knowing that oh these are non-dance not trained dancers and they can do it and they look really good doing it and they're these really great characters and cool characters. Maybe I can do this too and I think that's given audiences permission to try. And that's great. Like, yeah. if we can bridge these worlds, that's great. My job is done. As I, 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 I've, I've very much disliked how um, the general, you know, there's dance audiences. Mm -hmm. There are people that are familiar with dance, even if they're not, not dancers or dance lovers. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's everyone else. And, and I would put, you know, viewers of So You Think You Can Dance and Dancing with the Stars as dance audiences. Mm -hmm. Like, they've become familiar over the last... 15 years. And then there are people that are just intimidated by dance because I think for a number of reasons. One, maybe nobody wants to look like a bad dancer. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to feel like a bad dancer. Um, and so immediately there's an intimidation there. And then there's something, it's, it's dance isn't something that can be mathematically really understood mm. or understood on a on a on a super clear level it's something that's that comes from such a it's a deeper level of communication yeah. that um already takes a, it would take a, a little more of an investment and a curiosity i think from audiences to to want to understand dance the thing is i think that people overthink it i think that when it comes to yes. learning it you overthink it yeah as opposed to just getting up and going oh all this is like i use my body every day all day without even thinking about it. I do all these coordinated things, like driving, for instance. Like we're doing all, there's so many things that we're aware of, but your body is just kind of doing these automated processes. Yeah. Even walking down the street. So we already know how to move, and in a sense move to rhythm, like you walk in rhythm generally, um, or run in rhythm, or, you know, there's, the, we have a, a natural sense of rhythm. And so it's just taking that and then breaking it down a little bit. So taking the Peacemaker dance, you know, if you break it down into its component parts and really take your time with it and not overthink it, it becomes very doable. Yeah. And 
And I think that's the that if we can break down that intimidate or, or reinforce that idea, yeah. then more and more people will get up and moving. And I, I love that. I love one of my favorite things about this is seeing people that I don't think nor or sometimes I'll get messages saying I don't dance. I don't normally dance. I've never really wanted to try to dance. But this dance makes me want to dance. Hmm. And I've replied to a couple of people saying, well, do it. Just yeah. do it. And then they'll follow up with a little clip or even just a response that they've tried it and done it and had so much fun with it and they feel really good about it. And that that Krista. that to me is so That is so cool. Cool. <laughs> that Isn't that is so great? Cool. Yeah. That makes me feel very emotional, you know, because you're helping people get over whatever barrier they have in their mind. This idea that it isn't for them or it's it's beyond them or whatever. And it's right. like, well just try. Just, just try. try. Yeah. Just try it and be and, patient with yeah. it. Yeah. Now, in the process, you don't have to name names, um, but in the process of working with the actors, mm-hmm. a lot of these actors, I'm assuming, don't might not consider themselves to be dancers. Mm-hmm. You know, what were you dealing with as far, uh, you know, as working with people who aren't, who might not consider themselves to be dancers, mm-hmm. you know, to, to nail the choreography, you know, and like what kind of, like, were there moments where you're like, had breakthroughs and they were so happy and emotional? And can, can you tell us about some of those? Oh, yeah. So I I did my homework as best as I could. I I dug deep in, into the, into Google. Yeah. Trying to find <laughs> any any reference to dance for, for each and every one of them. Really? Um, all the way down to... Where did they st- study in yeah. school? Where did they learn acting or um, or any other craft? Is that and something you would normally do when working with with dancers, or is it specific that because you were going to be working with actors? I think I went farther in this case because I was working with actors, but it's something yeah. that I'll actually now do yeah. with dancers as well. What I've done with dancers is tried to get not so much their their. Exp- I I can watch a dancer and gauge their level pretty quickly yeah. um, and what they're what they might be able to bring to the table creatively and physically um, so I want to with dancers get to know who they are mm. as people and what is meaningful to them and how they communicate and just who they are as people um, so that's the homework I'll do on dancers typically um, with actors specifically because this job called for uh, for dance in this way, mm-hmm. I had to learn as best as I could without having contact with them initially, personal contact with them, um, to have as to, to gather as much information as I could. So, um, some of them did have a little bit of dance training yeah. um, as a part of you know an acting program or something like that. And then I saw uh, Danielle Brooks on a, in a couple of clips on YouTube, Danielle and it's Brooks. She's such a badass. She's so cool. So talented. She's so talented. Yeah. And and yeah, she's really good. And um and a really lovely person to work with too. She was really fun. I in love the room. to hear that. Mm-hmm. Like that's also I love when there's talent and also good decent human being. Yeah, as she's well. she, I really enjoyed the the time with her in the in the room. So um I saw that she could move really yeah. really well. Like she was very comfortable in her body from 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 what, whether she feels that or not, it's what I saw. Yeah, and uh, um, and I knew that Jen Holland was. Well, actually, I had learned this a little bit later in the process. I think I hadn't quite started working with her, but somewhere along the line, uh, Simon Hatt, who is one of the producers, told me that Jen is a former gymnast. Just FYI, it's a oh, okay. Yes, and I and I wasn't aware of that, so I started thinking about how to use how we might be able to use um, 
that ability. Mm. Um, but also it gave me kind of a heads up and that she's very comfortable in her body and will know how to move. And um, sure enough, she was. Um, so so I had a heads up. I, 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 I understood to a certain extent what to expect. And the thing that I wanted to, I, uh, my husband is an actor and he is not a trained dancer and he is a very self-conscious dancer. He gets very mad at me because <laughs> I, when he starts dancing in just casually during the day in our apartment or wherever, sometimes it could be in the street, I tend to stop and watch him. I find it very fascinating to watch not dan- not trained, non-trained dancers dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I just kind of naturally just want to watch and study in a sense. And I think that he's a great mover. I love, I really like how he dances. And But because he's self-conscious as a dancer, he hates it. Well, he I'm hates sure he I looks stop. over and then he sees you looking like studiously. I don't know if you lift up your like magnifying glass or whatever. Right. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and maybe he's thinking I'm tearing him apart or something and I'm not. I'm, I love it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's gotten used to that, that that's just yeah, general. Yeah. And then I've gotten a little more practice at like, don't do that. Just kind of look out the side of your eye, but keep dancing, Carissa. Keep dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you him in a different way. So, um, so I threw him and, and other people that I've known too, just generally uh, people. And I have to say that I also understand that self-consciousness because even though I started dancing when I was just shy of three years old and studied intensely for years and years and years and years and years and then toured for years and there's a, a long path. Um, and I, if I'm dancing casually, I can get self-conscious if someone watches me casually. Mm. On a stage, I'm very comfortable, very comfortable on a stage. But for some reason in a in more intimate environments, or even in a nightclub, I, when I, I don't go to nightclubs anymore, but when I used to, if I felt like I was being watched, I would, there was a different level of self-consciousness and it, it's not as fun anymore. You know, mm. it's like dance like no one's watching that phrase. There's something, there's like a real truth of that. Yeah. So um, so having, you know, lived with and, and danced with Alan, my husband, I became attuned to how he reacts to being asked to do certain things things mm, and I was able okay. to translate that in the space with other actors yeah. so the thing that I wanted to do first and foremost was to create a really safe environment and to I, I sort of expected that most of them would walk into the room feeling intimidated because the information that they had was that this they were going to be learning a dance for the intro and that was it yeah so they didn't have any context they didn't they thought well, am I going to be doing like a full out musical number for a minute and a half? Am yeah. I going to be learning like a, a minute's worth of choreography? And that wasn't the case because, you know, we broke it up into sections. And um, so I, I wanted to create a, a space that was really safe and um, and to to sort of lay out the, the ground rules right off the top, which were which were um, we will you will get this. Um I know that you'll get this no matter what the, your level is. It's just going to be a matter of repetition and a matter of patience. And if we need to add rehearsals, we'll add rehearsals, even though it was actually really tricky to get mm. uh, to find time because they were all in so much of the, the series. Um, it's a matter of repetition and feeling confident. So breaking it down into its component parts and then piecing it together. And then the biggest hurdle is getting past the mental hurdle. So it's like trusting your body. <sighs> 
trusting your muscle memory. And then once you begin to understand that muscle memory is a thing and you can begin to trust it and not overthink it, then then you'll begin to get it. So that was sort of the that was the the foundation that was that was laid right off the top. And I think that it eased a lot of anxiety and then opened up the space. Okay, let's start. Like, let's let's break this down. And uh, I I wanted to make sure that the musicality was built in as well. So mm. right off the top, it wasn't just about the movement. It was about the counts and yeah. some of the syncopations. And, and it really came down to repetition. So yeah. I forget what your original question is. But I'm I just enjoying listening to you, to you speaking, frankly. Um, you could talk and talk all day. And I'm just I'm just amazed. And I, I'm also I, I can I'm definitely em- um, empathizing with the actors coming in having a little I mean you haven't used the word fear I'm totally using that word fear being like okay I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm going to be dancing for a minute and a half even though it didn't end up being a minute and a half and how what a reassuring presence you must have been you know to be telling them up front you're not dancing straight through for a minute and a half you will get this we're going to break this down we will add like that all must have been very uh, reassuring you know so with each of the people then of each of the dancers because they're dancers now. You are dancers now, actors. Right. Uh, you're dancers <laughs> now. I, I saw you dance. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but were there like were there any moments where like you would watch something unlock for them, mm. and then they would? Can, can you talk about any of those without yeah. breaking confidence? Yeah, that was that was one of the most satisfying parts of the the oh, process. Yeah. I I really wanted them to feel good and to look good, and I I wanted. I wanted to do a good job myself, but I also wanted to for them to feel good about it. Yeah. And so when when there were breakthroughs, Jen Holland posted a video of 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 the two of us in rehearsal on on Twitter and it sort of perfectly represents these moments that you're talking about. Yeah. That we had been running this particular phrase over and over and it and it's actually quite tricky. The the musicality of the clip that she posted is slightly different than the one that is done in the the final sequence oh, okay. that's out and it's just one half count that's different but that half count was made it qu- quite a bit trickier mm. and uh so we had been running it and running it and running it and and then we went okay let's just do the and she's she's so good she's such a pro and she's she's the kind of at least in as in the dance rehearsals the kind of um artist who who just persists mm-hmm. and has a good time doing it and um, I, n- I never saw in her a, a feeling of fr- frustration with the self like a self-critic beating her up and, and maybe I, again I'm not inside of her head so yeah. that could have been the case but I didn't see that and that was such a good lesson for me to uh, you know, as a as an artist, and I I, I have a, a, a self critic that can be pretty brutal, and I kind of battle it a lot of the time. And uh, and I, and what I realize in the process is, you know, working with someone who doesn't have that, um, or or if if it does, if it is a a, a voice that's obnoxious and critical, um, to you know really set it aside and just get the job done. Mm. And so in, in Jen's case, she, she seemed to have a really good time. I had a really fun time working with her. And so running the stuff um, and repeating it over and over and over until we got it was in itself a fun process. But when she nailed it, as, as, as I saw in that <laughs> clip, 
it made like my response to it her response she, I, I'm sure that it feels really it does feel really good when you when you get something if you're like working toward it working toward it working to it and then finally nail it it feels really good but I was so happy I was so it made me so happy when they would find when they would find it yeah and and it would work and I was like a burst of energy yeah. and joy in a sense like it was so joyful it's so joyful to watch someone persist through something and then and then find it you so find it. that yeah. was and that happened you know in it, with all of them honestly yeah um even robert patrick who who had like the first couple of rehearsals that i had with him were a little more challenging because uh, I think he was really, he was like shooting a lot of, he was really busy and I think his brain was full as my, is what I was thinking. Yeah. He didn't tell me this, but I was, I was thinking, I think that there's a lot going on. And, and so he, he, he would, in the first rehearsal in particular, get a little frustrated. It was the last, you know, the final section that the group does the same phrase. Yeah. And he would get frustrated. Okay, 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 okay got it. And and that was also was a process with him. N not quite. We got to do it again. Let's yeah. break this down again. Let's break this down again. Let's break this down again. And then we filmed him, and he took it away. Worked on it, and when he came back, he had done the work, hmm. and it was really cool to see that kind of progress again. Like he's he's such a pro. He's been doing this for a really long time, and he put in the work. Yeah. Um, and then. On the day of the shoot, um, he he was really really present. The take that is used in the the sequence that aired, uh, he's his timing is a little off at the end. Um, but I know that that it was he wasn't always off. Like he really yeah. he really put in the work. So with him too, I felt really proud of I felt really proud of him. I felt really proud of all of them. Like some of it was really Steve Agee was great. He's just such a he's such a good guy, and I, I really enjoyed working with him too. He he also, you know, thought he put in the work too. He thought well, I don't I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. In my mind, I thought, no, you are you're already getting it. Actually, that was the case for I would say half of them. That they were going, I'm not getting it. I I'm, I'm not getting. I'm not getting it. And what I was seeing is, no, you are. Yeah. You actually are. You're a lot closer than you think. There are like little things here and there that will need to be adjusted, but I'm not worried at all. Yeah. I felt really confident in all of them. But yeah, when they... When and they're all dancers out, felt, now. So, and they're all dancers now. <laughs> I felt really good. So I said to, to Steve, um, I think it was on the day of the show, I was like, you know, you're, you're officially a dancer. John too, John Cena. Like okay, you've got another. You, you you have a lot of skills. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a lot going on. Now you can add dancer to your resume. Congratulations. How would you describe the style of hmm. the choreography? Yeah, that's that's a question I, I've been asked a lot, and I don't. I can't say that there's a style that I would assign to it. I think yeah. it's a mix of a lot of of a lot of different styles, like yeah. the. It's the peacemaker style. It's the peacemaker style. Yeah. It really is sort of distinct, distinctly peacemakery. Yeah, I think um, there are a lot of influences in it. Okay, tell I, me the influences. My so, I have a lot of respect and love for Fosse, 
even though uh, he was a a jerk to work with a lot of the time, is mm-hmm. my understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've seen all that jazz. Um, uh, but he was a brilliant, brilliant, genius choreographer. Oh, yeah. And the, po- the poses. The, and the... the poses and the hands yeah. and the, the sex appeal. And the he just had a way. And, and he was he, his own voice. No one had done really anything like a lot of the stuff that he made. And I love that. And he just kind of broke through all kinds of barriers. And um, but I love there's a sensuality to the things that he that he made. But I love that he used everything like he used eyes and hands and s- the subtlest movement, which on camera works yeah. and on stage is can be a little you, movements generally have to be the, the subtler things aren't um, used as much as you know, you they don't read as well from from a stage yeah. although there are choreographers that can that can build in really really subtle stuff and you see it whether you're conscious of it or not yeah. on stage so uh so i love fossey stuff and i love as a director i love what he did and uh so there's a little bit of the hands that's fossey those are fossey hands <laughs> we're sort of inspired a little bit um Whoa. yeah and and uh-huh and <laughs> you're blowing my mind. You know the uh, the I, w- I would say that the 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 musicality of it called for absolutely called for something like that. The movement, the, the that part of the choreography called for something like that. And uh, yeah, the Fosse hands were just the right choice. I feel. I love this so much. I I think I lo- I mean I love this because I'm I'm ve- I'm I, I'm. I live for the superhero stuff, right? But I have this whole other life where I studied musical theater. Right, And, right. you know, so, and if Fosse and Bugsy Berkeley and, like, uh-huh. you know, just, like, the gamut of... So it's so... It's neat and wild when they when they interact in that kind of way. And you're uh-huh. like, oh, Fosse's in Peacemaker. Peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> that was my nod. That was my nod to Fosse was the, the hands. Yeah. Um, but there's all kinds of stuff. I, I, you know, the influence of there aren't any specific moves that I would assign to, to, to Gene Kelly. But uh, I am obsessed with how Gene Kelly moved. It's so into the earth, mm. so grounded, and yet also so elevated. Yeah, he was able to do both, and yeah, it was that's like he could such fly, a really yeah yeah. But he's just so down into his legs, and just so it's like he's rooted into the earth, but also is the, the the energy was just very up. Yeah. And uh, so I love how he moves. So I, but I wanted the, the, the style of this to be very grounded in the same way, but also in the context of the show with butterflies and sci-fi and all of this crazy, this insanity, all this amazing stuff is, is also up there. And um, the energy is really alive and, so, um, so I wanted to achieve both of like that balance of things as well. So that's why a lot of this stuff looks grounded, like the the when they're all moving forward and their hands are behind their yeah, head. Yeah, that's you know very grounded in the in the earth. Um, so you know, the, the Gene Kelly influence in terms of you know, I, I mean, I would I would that's Gene Kelly, but it's also in my own training. Yeah, I trained in in modern dance and like different styles of modern dance martha graham is really earthy mm. and actually i would say that there's a little bit of martha the graham technique which i what? love graham technique there's so 
I wow. There's a little bit of that influence in it. There's um, I danced with a company called the Parsons Dance Company that was uh, founded by David Parsons, who was a Paul Taylor dancer for a long time and at, out of New York. Mm. And it was an amazing. I, I toured with that company for four years, and it was really, really hard work. Really, really super challenging, um, physically really demanding, um, and also rooted in these traditional modern dance forms. So it's really in my body, um, the the, er, the 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 rootedness, but also in Dave Parsons' work. There's lots of jumping and flying, lots of flying. Yeah, tons of stuff, tons of airy, very airy stuff. So it also has that balance. So um, there's, but there are a couple of a couple of moves in Peacemaker that were inspired by a really fun dance that I did with the Parsons Dance Company that we performed with uh, a jazz trio called the Billy Taylor Trio. Billy Taylor's an incredible jazz pianist, and um, we toured with this jazz trio and performed a dance that was choreographed by Dave Parsons. And there's this quirky little part section in the middle of it that was really, really fun to do. And just mostly gestures, hmm. like a minute of gestures that were done in um, in sequence. And um, so there's there's a couple of moves in the Peacemaker dance that were inspired by, not, not I- identical to, or even really that close to, but inspired by that dance Whoa. because there was so much joy that I got out of doing that dance. There's so mind. much in this. There's there so much. So much the, I mean, you have given, there's like dance history. Yeah, there's lots of, lots Fosse of. Fosse and Graham and Parsons and wow. Yeah, which was, in, which was, David was, Parsons was, as a Taylor dancer, was really influenced obviously by Paul Taylor. You can see in Dave Parsons. So it goes back to Taylor and yeah, Graham and yeah. So there's so there's so many layers, and I think that's one of the things that people connect with without realizing that they're connecting with is there's there's a lot more in it than just a series of moves. That mm. um, it's pieced together very specifically and um, is influenced by my own you know long history of dance and the dance world and the I dance love traditions. That. I love that we're having this conversation today, and I love that my listeners are listening in on this conversation today because you know there's a lot of a lot of thought and a lot of craft and artistry and heart goes into creating mm-hmm. what we what we see on on screen. Um, Okay, can we talk specifically specifically about John for a moment? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he, I mean, has this vast history. I mean, he's a remarkable performer, and he mm-hmm. has this history as a wrestler, you know, as well, you know, from that whole realm. Was there... What, would you find that... Did you find that he was able to, to uh, pick up the dance more easily because of that background? Or was there a similar kind of language, you know, that that wrestlers use, you know, that dancers also use? I think that would be a question to ask him. You know, when yeah. you do your interview with him, you can yeah. ask him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I can't really speak to his experience uh, in, with that comparison, um, but I don't know that it did. Yeah. I, I assumed that because he was a wrestler and I, I my limited... I, I go see, uh, there's a there's a really fun thing that happens now. It's called Lucha Vavum. And it's wrestling. It's uh Sounds amazing, luchador, whatever it is. What do you call it? Luchador. Uh, 
Anyway, oh no, I'm gonna get slapped. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it was like really entertaining wrestling, and that's the extent of the the wrestling that I'm familiar with. So I don't know much about about wrestling. I assumed that there was a level of choreography to that that would translate to dance. Yeah. Um, what John told me after the first rehearsal and actually when he walked into the room, I've never learned dance before. I've never learned choreography before. So I'm learning a, a completely new skill. Heads up, I'm learning a completely new skill. Wow. And we have an hour. And, and I'm so glad, I was so grateful that he said that because it cleared up for me where his head was. He was approaching it as a new skill. Hmm. And rather than going, oh, he's, he already knows how to do this. I'll just throw it at him really fast. Yeah. So I, I really quickly ad- adapted and adjusted my approach. And, um, but it was the same thing with John, where, like I'd said to everyone else, you'll find that when you watch a full sequence, it's, it seems like a lot. When you break it down into its component parts, it becomes attainable. Yeah. And so that's what I explained to him. He said, okay, let's, let's go. And he, I think that he learned it so fast is because of how his brain works. Yeah. Um, pro- more, I think it has more to do with that than his experience as a wrestler, mm. as a wrestler. That is my perception. Again, he may have a completely different response. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, he's, he's very smart and, yeah. uh, and also really focused. Like he's, he's an incredibly busy person. And at that moment they had, you know, they were, were halfway through shooting the season he was in fitting in rehearsals with him was really tricky because he's in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he had just released a book or two. That day, he <laughs> tweeted, "Hey, here's you know my." I went, "Wow, God!" And he, like that that in itself is impressive to me. Yeah. Let alone all this other stuff, he's got so much going on. He tweets every like thoughtful tweets every single day. Like, who is this human? Yeah. And and he's got. He, a wrestling career <laughs> I got so much stuff and uh, so so I knew and this was based on working with some other people in the past that when someone is that intensely busy you have to show up really really clear mm-hmm. you have to communicate incredibly clearly yeah and you have to be really attuned super super attuned to where they are and you know within that hour when is it enough information? Can I do more information? Checking in all the time. How are you doing? Are we okay? Can we go on? No, let's go back. Okay, let's go back. And like yeah. adapting really, really fast. Um, and so there was something about John that he was he was super, super focused. Just an incredibly focused person. Yeah. And that made my job easy. Mm. in the sense that I was able to just stay focused on the task at hand and there was no extraneous stuff at all. It was just, what is the job? Let's get it done and let's have as good a time as possible <laughs> doing yeah. it. So I had him for two rehearsals. Two. That's it. And we filmed it. Wow. And he took it back to his trailer and home. And I don't know how much time he spent working on it. Again, he's a really busy person, so I, I don't imagine he had too much time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he showed up. Um, to the dress rehearsal and knew it. We just kind nailed of reviewed it. everything and yeah. nailed it. And and then the day of the shoot was great. And and that was it. Yeah. He he's he's a very he's got a very uh, intense brain. Yeah. He's really really smart guy. Yeah. Fantastic. I and, loved and his performance too in this show. 
Oh, so good. He's so good. What a, what a show. What a show for this particular moment in history as well. And uh, and now he can say he's a dancer, that right. he has that skill. Um, c- could we do a little bit of time travel with you? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? I want to know how we got here. Um, you know, I, w- I want to be able to draw a line from who you were as a kid to the person who's sitting across from me okay. through the plexiglass today. Okay. <laughs> you know, so like, let's go back. Like, what what is a key age from your childhood? Like, what kind of a kid were you? You know, and what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay, here is, uh, there's, I have a couple of responses. Okay. So uh, I grew up in a, uh, I have two sisters in the middle of three daughters. Um, all of us are dancers and choreographers. Hmm. My mom loves dance, has always loved dance. She's such an, a dance appreciator and worked within the dance industry as an administrator for decades. And she's got a really good eye for dance. Anyway, she put us into training at a very, she, well, my older sister Cherie started as a, in tap classes. Hmm. And I, as a two-year-old, would go and watch her class and kind of practice on the side. I was learning with her in mm-hmm. a sense. And the teacher said, hey, you need to put her in to classes as well. So a few months later, just shy of three, I went into classes. And so I started really, really young. And then my younger sister followed as well. Mm-hmm. So we were a dance family and we did competitions and we were we were very, very serious in our training. and. Uh, again, because my mom has a really good eye and was taking also taking it very seriously, she would do the research and find out who are the best teachers and where we are. I grew up in Edmonton. Okay. I was born outside of Toronto, but I grew up in Edmonton, and Edmonton has some really has a really strong dance community, and a lot of really great dancers come out of Edmonton. Luckily, so yeah. um, so she found the teachers. We took our training really really seriously. And um, and that was kind of our focus. Like we, it was our focus. We we didn't mess around. It wasn't a casual thing. It was you finish school and you go to to go train to the studio. Yeah, You'd go to the studio every day of the week, and and then it evolved to you know different dance styles and ballet and musical theater. And I got into acting for a few years. I did a, a lot of plays. It was actually with a, a children's theater company. I wound up playing it was like Goldilocks and the Three Bears and I'd play Goldilocks or Pinocchio and we did for years for a few years I I would do I got to miss a lot of school to do these plays nice yeah so um so we were very um dance and theater family and competitive super competitive we competition breeds excellence we we really and it was yeah yeah mm-hmm. and there's a there's a balance there's a you know I I can feel myself it's a it's a habit it's a training a competitive having a competitive spirit can even between Alan and I, my husband and I we get competitive about the silliest stuff and we're aware of it and so we have fun with it yeah um, but, you, but it's something that's very like natural wordle? to me are you competitive competitive we about don't do wordle? wordle yet yeah okay yet, yet. uh oh. Yeah, and I'm not a gamer because yeah. I, I I just never put in the, the time to learn the controllers. Um, but if oh if I did, like we get really good like with card games and oh yeah, pretty much hyper competitive. So I have a competitive streak. It's in me, um, and I check. I I have to check it uh, a lot. 
because it can be <laughs> like it can get pretty extreme sometimes. It can so, be exhausting to be so competitive. It yeah, yeah. it can. So I, I I monitor. I'm very self-aware. I'm very aware aware of it, and so I, I I manage it. But I also use it. Like I use. I, I, I think you can use everything if you if use you're for aware good, of it. Not yeah. evil. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's more of more the I think I've shifted it to my I compete with myself more than anything now. So um uh but there was so how this ties into an interesting way that my upbringing, who I was as a kid, ties into Peacemaker is I had this character that I created to entertain my family. And this character was named Super Susu. And I really loved Mr. T, the, the character Mr. T. Um, so my Super Susu character was based on how I interpreted how Mr. T spoke. Oh my God, I love everything about this right now. <laughs> and I would run around the house, I would wear a cape as Super Susu. Super Susu was a superhero with a really bad attitude. Uh. <laughs> so my, my sisters would say, they called me Key. I had lots of nicknames. They go Key or Keisha. Um, Where's Super Susu? Do Super Susu? Do Super Susu for us. Now we go. I don't think that Super Susu is available. They would go. Please, please. I'm like, oh, okay. And then close my eyes. And then as I would open them, it would be Super Susu. But he, I mean, he, and I, and I, 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 sometimes it was she. Sometimes it was he. I I I I don't even, I wouldn't even assign a gender to Super Sue. Super just as her thing. Um, but I guess Super Sue was more masculine. But than they anything. had a bad attitude. Who had the worst attitude? So Super Susu would would go. It, I would become Super Susu, and I'd go. What do you want? And they would go. Tell us a story. Tell us. Like, <laughs> who did you save today? <laughs> I'm real busy and I would go off on this thing like I'm really busy I don't have time to be telling you stories oh but every God. time you call me here I have to okay so fine I'll tell you a story and then I would tell a story about some my biggest story was a, about a shark that was killing me I think influenced by Jaws, Jaws right right um, and about a shark and that I would go down and like blow up the shark and uh, you know save the people or there was some there were a few other stories that was my favorite one and, uh, and then I go, okay, is that enough? And you know, I got to go. I got to go save some people or I got to, you know, come up with one thing or another. I got to go and rescue some people across another continent or something like that. But it was always like, yeah, this is like bad attitude. Bad and attitude, superhero, superhero. A little bit like peacemaker. A little bit. Wow. So all these years, as I was eight, nine, seven, eight, nine is when I, I had Super Susu was around a lot. And we even made a silent video, a silent movie about Super uh, Super Susu coming to rescue someone who was, it was really badly done. <laughs> like, Sounds amazing, done. and I want that on YouTube. But it's, <laughs> and I was like, little cape, and I'm running around and like swinging a toy around as though it's the guy, the villain, and like tossing him up. So, so anyway, it, it is funny to me how all these years later, this opportunity comes up to yeah. work on this incredible show and to use the skills that you know, I, fundamentally, I, I, I most identify as a, as a dancer. Um, and so to take that and then my, my super susu alter ego and, and like bring all of my worlds together 
yeah. to create this really fun thing for a, an awesome show was unbelievable to me. Yeah. It was a really, is a cool moment. It was a really uniquely cool mo- moment. It, it, it is such a cool moment. What do you think seven or eight-year-old you would think of this moment? You know, if you could go back in time, I'm all, I'm all about the time travel here. If you can go back in time to you know, yourself when you're in your super susu, Susu, uh-huh. yeah, Susu, yeah. I was worried I wasn't <laughs> saying it correctly. Super Susu heyday, you know, and um, and you get a minute, and you got to like to expl- like say, this is what we're doing, and mm. and you know, and got to do this cool thing, and this like, what what do you think? What do you think you slash she would think about what you're doing with your life? Wow, and your art. Wow, uh, that's an interesting question. I haven't, you know, I've thought a lot about revisiting myself as a kid and giving myself advice yeah but i've never thought of the reverse of like what the, would she think? like what was she th- yeah thinking that and that I moment think i think about that a lot i gotta say i mean i'm huh. we're pretty much sitting next to a shelf of a whole bunch of my right. toys from when i was a kid right you know and it's i so i do a lot of you know child honoring a lot yeah. of that means honoring your children and stuff but a lot yeah. of that too is like i i think a lot about making the 10-year-old version of myself mm. happy, you know, and making sure that that I've I've heard her needs, you know, and yeah. what did she want to be when she grew up and how did she mm. want to feel? And am I am I honoring that? Right. You know, and obviously like I clearly need help and I'm in therapy and it's totally fine, you know. <laughs> oh, so am I. <laughs> I think totally, everyone needs therapy in my opinion. needs therapy. But you know, it's but it's I mean it's kind of a it's a nice exercise too, you know, to yeah. be like what, what what would she think of of what we're doing right now? Yeah, I think she'd think it's pretty cool. I yeah. think that she would say that's exactly right yeah that's the way you should be doing I I there was never a question in my mind that I wanted to be a performer uh an entertainer of of some kind and I achieved that I did that yeah um and then I shifted my attention to to being a creator and although I I love performing and I will always love performing I am enjoying the, the flip side of it, the, the, mm. another approaching art from a from a creator standpoint. Um, but I think, I, yeah, I think that that my you know seven eight year old self would go, yeah, this <laughs> this is this is this is your trajectory. This is who you are. Like this in in a in a sense. Um, again, it's like sort of bringing all my worlds together to 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 create this thing's pretty unique. Very, very unique. Has there been anything in the overwhelmingly positive response to the Peacemaker opening credits like that has surprised you at all? Hmm. I think the thing that has surprised me is what we were talking about earlier. How many people are getting up off the couch Mm. to learn it? I... I thought that some people who might be more movement oriented or, in, you know, inclined to already try to learn moves um, might want to. Uh, but I didn't expect I I see people continue to send me clips of things that they're finding on YouTube or uh, or a TikTok rather or Instagram. And 
um, people that I I just wouldn't expect to be. You know, they're clearly not dancers and clearly don't um, have a natural sense of coordination and musicality. But doing it and having a really fun time with it, again, is I I think that surprised me. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. And like I said, it's sort of one of the more rewarding pieces of this is is knowing that 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 there's a lot of people that are getting a lot of joy out of it. Yeah, that I mean, joy that you've used that word a a few times. Um, And I know that like for me as an audience member, um, watching Peacemaker during a really tumultuous, turbulent time in the world I've gotten a lot of joy out mm-hmm. of watching this show. There, it, it is a joyful show. Despite the heavy material and stuff, yeah. there's so much joy in it. You can see that there was a lot of, that joy was the order of the day when, when it was being created. What role does joy play in your, in your work, in your art, mm. in your craft, in your calling? I'm not even sure what to, mm. what to, I, I always find like, cause it's, it's not, when I'm talking to artists, it's not just a work, right? It's, it, it's not. It's a calling. It's mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. something you work really hard on, mm-hmm. you know. So, where, what role does joy play? I love that you asked that question. I, I, Alan and I have talked about this quite a bit, uh, because joy is a different feeling than happiness. It's a little. Mm. It's, it's different from happiness. Yeah. It's. Joy is something that arises. Mm. You can understand and know that there are things in our lives that create joy for us, but it's not something that is necessarily easy to to find yeah. at will. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I I think that you that I can certainly play a piece of music. And immediately feel a lot of joy. Um, so that's one way to call it up. But without any other, you know, external influences, how do you create that feeling? Because it's a really high, it's a really beautiful experience. Yeah, it's full. It's it's full. Yeah. It's um, it's full. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just it's it's high. It's uh, um, and it's it's full. It's satisfying. It feels right. It's a it's a nice gift <laughs> that we get to experiences in the full experience and the full range of the human experience. Um, uh, we've talked about uh, when I I bring up Alan because he loves clowning and clowns and a lot of people have an incorrect perception of clowns or are terrified of clowns mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. afraid of clowns or misunderstand clowns or just see clowns as you know the red nose and the big hair and the crazy costume that do silly things um one of the things that alan loves about clowning and that he's taught me is that if you're doing clowning right as a performer you ignite joy in your audience Mm. it's not just about making them laugh you're not going for laughter this came from a friend of alan's name is orlando pabotoy in new york he's a theater theater direct, uh, director and creator and uh, runs the program at NYU, um, that you want to, it goes beyond laughter. If you can ignite joy in people, then you've 
done it. How do you do that? Hmm. How do you ignite joy in someone rather than just laughter? It's a different thing if you really like sit with it and think about it. Yeah. It's a different thing. And so uh, there's, I, I, in my opinion, I think that there's a vulnerability. I think that there's truth and honesty, mostly vulnerability. Um, I was thinking earlier today, you know, there's, a, there's, there's something about being willing to be in the messiness of, of life hmm. and the messiness of, of all of us just trying to figure things out that is that feels more grounded and joyful than trying to control and almost remove yourself from re the reality of things and uh, you know it's control versus surrender in yeah. a sense and vulnerability it's giving and yourself the opportunity to feel your feelings to feel your feelings yeah. and i think that's where you find joy i don't yeah. think that it's in the control i think it's in the, the letting go and and uh being really you know aligned with who you are um uh but yeah but it's an interesting idea so joy so joy is really important to me yeah. um it is very different from just i i laugh a lot i i i love laughing um, but joy is where it's at. Joy is, yeah. and it's and you can't joy always just is the find shit. It. Joy is the shit. <laughs> so like, find the things that bring it. Like, what does that even? What does it feel like to find find those things? Yeah. So so, for me, the process of making this dance was very joyful, um, and I think that comes through, and so other people in watching it also feel that joy, and it has to do, obviously, with. The context. So James created this. It just it astounds me. It blows my mind that Peacemaker, the story, the arcs, the characters, the 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 detail, the sense of humor, all of it came from one person's brain. Mm. One brain. The his and his he was the only writer on this show. Yeah. Like that's unbelievable to me. He's crazy. He's he's crazy good. Yeah. Uh, other level and and so I have so much respect for him and just so much respect that this is something that he just created out of nothing. Um, and one of his best skills, I I well he's tweeted about this and I think said this in interviews that one of his best skills is finding the right people for the different um as the right collaborators mm, and surrounds yes. himself with the right people and that in itself is a really great skill that not everybody has yeah because you find the right the right person the right collaborator and then you trust them and to do the work to do the work you yeah. know and you trust them to and you push them you know to be the, their best selves right like mm -hmm. that's not everybody knows how to do that mm-hmm no, and and to be able to spot who are the who are the right people, I, I I've also heard him say, you know, talent above everything. Yeah, it's he's one of those people that looks for the right the right person, the right the right talent over what happens a lot in the industry is, well, who has the most followers? Yeah, who is going to be able to bring like all of the from a marketing standpoint? Who's got you know on a, on a celebrity scale? Who's got like there's all of those. Yeah. Math, statistics and mathematics that go into and and all of all of the other the other things that sort of dis ignore the the in my opinion there's so many there are so many talented people that yeah. um aren't 
doing the kind of work that they should be because of these other methodologies that that uh, some people use. Um, so I also respect that James is all about about um, you know talent above everything and putting the right like who is the right person for the job. Full stop. Yeah, that's it. It's pretty simple, people, and you see it. Like the the result is a really fantastic show. So so anyway, given all of that, to 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 have like a little piece where where um, where I was able to, I think understand what well I I. I did understand. I think the evidence of that is that the, the opening works. <laughs> um, yeah, what he yeah. was going for works pretty well. Works pretty well. Anyways, <laughs> understand what he was going, what he wanted. Yeah. Um, and um, and then had a, a lot of fun with it. The 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 um, boundaries gave me a lot. The um, there's another word that I'm. It's not boundaries. The constraints. Constraints. Yeah. So. Constraints work really well for me. Yeah. Because otherwise, my brain, there's just too much open space for me. I can go in so many different directions. And it's so constraints are really good for me. So, with the constraints of the show, one being length, like this is an intro, this is a, a, a an intro sequence. It can only be so long. Um, and the context of this show, mm-hmm. the song, and the characters, and the story. And like so, with all of those things, I was able to just completely free myself and have as much of uh, much creative fun as I could. Yeah, I kind of went off on a tangent. <laughs> there. I, I honestly, I could listen to you talk about this all day long, but I'm not going to take that much more. This is fun uh, for me too. of your time. Um, no, this is a real peek behind the curtain, and uh, I guess I'm also I. I, I said this to you before we started our recording, but I'm really, I feel very intimidated by choreographers and by dancers because I can't even touch my toes. Although I love, I love to watch dance. Mm. I love to, to, you know, go, go sit in a darkened theater and to, to lose myself as I'm watching dance, you know, and time will, I mean, we were talking about buto, that that's one of those dance forms where I, where I find I have some kind of, like like a, almost like a meditative experience, mm-hmm. you know, watching watching the dance. So I I am I'm just so honored that you you came in here today oh, and to uh, give us this nice. peek behind the curtain. I guess the only other question I have for you today, and this is based on um this is a very important question based on your Twitter feed. Tell me about your dog. I saw that there was a dog that was part of the rehearsal process as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I'm again so happy you asked about the, the, the our, our children. Um, we have important. Two dogs. You can't. You can't not. You can't not. You know. Yeah. I love dogs. Are the best. I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. I've never not had a dog. Actually, mm. that's not true. There was a few years where I didn't have a dog when I was touring, mm. but uh, I love dogs. So we have two, Raisin and Aunt Clara. And Raisin and Aunt Clara. Aunt Clara. Mm-hmm. So Aunt Clara is a cockapoo, and Raisin is a terrier mix. And at the time that I was working on Peacemaker, Alan uh, was working on Peter Pan. It was also shooting the okay. live action Peter Pan. It was also shooting in Vancouver. Right. So we no longer had someone to stay to to manage the dogs. Mm-hmm. So. Normally, what what tends to work really well is if I'm working on something, Alan may have some downtime or um, mixed schedules, 
Um, and if Alan is working, I may be working on developing something at home yeah. or, you know, mixed schedules and we've managed to work it out. But this was one of those cases where we were both working on a project at the same time. So we were both gone all day, every day, uh, most days for for weeks. Yeah. And so we had to figure out a solution for the the short short of it is we had to find a solution to someone to look after the dog. So he took Clara mm-hmm. to the Peter Pan set, and I brought Raisin to rehearsals. Okay. And so she, but she was also, I think, really helpful to have in the room because yeah. people love dogs. She, she, there's something about having the her presence there. It was very calming. Yeah. So if there was any kind of nervous energy, she helped to just, I don't know, just her presence was just this this magical little. The furry being. Yeah, I'll put I'll put us. a link to um to the I think you have a pinned tweet or something of mm-hmm. of uh, of Raisin. Mm-hmm. I didn't I did not realize that was your dog's name, best name ever. Um of of Raisin in the rehearsal the rehearsal space. Yeah, if I was if I was having going through my oh gosh, I remember being taught some choreography when I was Rizzo in Greece and just like melting down, so upset, frustrated with myself that I couldn't get it. If there had been a little dog there, you know, I think uh, I, I think I would have gotten it sooner. <laughs> There's <laughs> dogs are magic. They're they're the magical little creatures. They I really... can't imagine life without them. Yeah, yeah. She's a sweetheart. She's very and she was really sweet in rehearsals too. She would just watch us. She was if she were if she wasn't sleeping, or barking at someone a stranger walking she decided that the rehearsal space was hers to guard mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if someone unexpected would walk in the door she'd panic a little bit and warn all of us there's someone here there's someone here yeah all of her barking <laughs> for the most part she would sleep and and just watch us and then if we when we would take breaks it was all about raisin petting a raisin she get her massages she gets massages every day just Aww. because she's this like little little fuzzy body that you just want to squeeze she's she's too much both of them are really sweet Clara's in LA right now. She's in Vancouver, but Raisin is here. Aw, well, yeah. that's good that you have Raisin up here. Oh my gosh, I could talk to you all day. This has been such a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me too. I, I want to say to you oh. that, you know, as, as someone who you feel like you're not a dancer, I think everyone is. It's <sighs> just there's a distinction between learning choreography and learning material that someone else has is telling where someone is telling you how to move and in what order to move yeah I think if you just find that you you know put on some earphone put in some earphones find a song that moves you Hmm. and just I think that you can start with just like the easiest movement and it just connects with how that feels in your body the yeah. most your most natural way of moving you know I said earlier I like when when my husband starts moving I just tend to stop and just watch him because I think it's beautiful I think that hmm. that people humans dancers or not people who don't consider themselves to be dancers um, moving is a very natural it actually is a very natural thing and moving to music and to rhythm is a very natural thing yeah and the more you do that and just feel what feel what it feels like in your own body to move in the most natural way that feels right to you and let go of all of the other mental stuff that gets in the way of that oh i have so much mental stuff (laughs) that and it's tricky you know this is easier said than done (laughs) yeah you referred to watching dances as sort of a meditation yeah it's a similar thing but turning it inward so Mm. you you know can close your eyes 
don't do this in front of a mirror because Mm-mm. the second you look at yourself, you'll be judgy, <laughs> judgy all over the place. Yeah. But most people tend to do that. Um, so just, you know, close your eyes or put yourself in a space where you feel safe and put on some music that's just that that makes you just kind of want to move. And I think the more you do that, the more you feel how you naturally move, the more, the easier it'll be for you to to kind of break down all those barriers. That's my recommendation because I think that everyone is a dancer. Yeah, okay, so I will dance like no one is watching when no one is watching. Exactly. However, if I look through a window and you're there. (laughs) (laughs) Taking notes. Taking notes. (laughs) Then I will never dance again. Okay, Carissa Barton, where can people find you, follow you, celebrate you on on the social media? Are you on the TikTok? I am not on the TikTok. Well, that's not true. I just got TikTok because so many people were telling me that that peacemaker there was a lot of peacemaker stuff yeah, happening yeah. on TikTok, so I got it so that I could see those things. But I'm not really active on TikTok. Okay, okay. What an insane app that is! Oh my, what a rabbit hole! Oh yeah, holy, oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's a little intense. So I don't think that I'll really yeah. A lot of cute dog TikTok stuff is. on there though. I see lots of lots of really cute dog stuff on Instagram. Yeah. So uh, I'll stick with it. So I'm on Instagram <laughs> at Carissa Barton, C H A R I S S A B A R T O N, and on Twitter I'm Carissa Barton number one. Was there Carissa another Barton one? Was there another Carissa Barton? Yes, there was when I signed up on Twitter. Oh. Well, she's Carissa Barton zero because we have Carissa <laughs> Barton one right here. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Barton, who are you? I want to know. No, we got number one right here. Well, thank you very much, and um, yeah, peacemaker. You can watch it on HBO Max. You can watch it on Crave in Canada. And uh, yeah, I enjoy. I don't, I, that's not my ending. That's a terrible ending. That's not even how I end. But yes, everybody watch Peacemaker. Okay. Everybody watch Peacemaker. And everybody learn to dance. Learn to dance. We're all dancers. You're that's, all dancers, people. Yeah. Even you, Alan. Even you when you're dancing. That's right. Tell me. <laughs> even you when you're You've dancing. Got positive yeah. You're a dancer, too. Okay, everyone, please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners, and then we can keep having conversations like the one we had today. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenscene and at Sabrina Arpf. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Ferminger. I'm the only one to blame. And it's edited by Simon Ferminger. Special thanks to Mariana Ferminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Ferminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Ferminger Deble. Poor, poor, not Ferminger Dane. For the original music, YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Ukrainians are under attack, young and old, in hospitals and kindergartens, in their cars or in their beds. No Ukrainian is safe in this unjust war. Their courage and resilience is the stuff of legend, but they should not have to fight this war alone. They need our help. This is Adrian Petro, and I invite you to join me at YVR Screen Scene for Ukraine, a gala evening in support of humanitarian efforts in Ukraine that will take place at VIF Center in Vancouver on March 30th. Experience Ukrainian food, a performance by Bandura musician Rutyani, and a special screening of Maidan, 
Belarusian filmmaker Sergei Loznitsya's powerful documentary about the revolution of dignity that took place in Kyiv in the winter of 2013 and 2014. I'm hosting, alongside my dear friend Sabrina Rani Furminger. Tickets are $25 and available at eventbrite.ca. All money raised from YVR Screen Scene for Ukraine ticket sales will be donated to the Ukraine Humanitarian Appeal, established by the Ukrainian Canadian Congress and the Canada Ukraine Foundation. The need is great. The onus is on us to help. We can make a difference. Slava Ukraini, Heroim Slava.